You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium Games, Star Citizen, and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 10 of Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. Uh, and I want to say happy Memorial Day uh, for everybody who celebrates uh, that in America. So for those of you listening outside of America, Memorial Day uh, is an opportunity for us to celebrate the men and women of the United States Armed Forces who gave their lives in defense or cause uh, of our country. So it's a time for us to reflect. Um, Patton said that uh, it is foolish for us to mourn those who have died. Uh, rather, it is better to celebrate that they have lived. Uh, so we take this opportunity to celebrate. That's why we say happy Memorial Day. And you'll see and hear a lot of celebratory barbecues and time with the family. Um, but the reason that we do this is to never forget, right? To never forget those who have paved the way uh, for, our, for our freedoms. So this is going to be a little bit of a... A little bit of a different episode. So it's been 11 days since episode nine. Uh, we did not have a podcast last Thursday. And the reason for that quickly, um, I have a seven-year-old son, four-year-old daughter. My son graduated first grade. My daughter is getting into pre-K. Uh, so we chose to celebrate at a resort, a Kalahari resort uh, here in Austin, Texas. And it really enjoyed um, a Thursday we stayed the night on Thursday night and obviously um, continued on on Friday. Um, and then the weekend was completely full <laughs> of, of more of more events. And so I haven't really been able to play much in game. But yes, it's been 11 days since our last our last show. And so uh, this isn't kind of an intermediary show. Episode 10 is kind of this junction between episode 9 and 11. Uh, we will still have our show on this Thursday, so in four days, we'll pick back up with the 30th century, the 2900s uh, of our Lord Deep Dive. But again, today's a special day. We'll spend a couple minutes getting into um, the uh, kind of the, I guess, the American real life celebration of Memorial Day. I've got a, a great video I want to show you. And then we'll wrap up with kind of a lore deep dive uh, with the Javelin Warhammer. So the one that's flying around that you can go and tour, uh, I think tomorrow's the last day, uh, you can go and tour. There's some history behind it, which I can't wait to unlock uh, and get into it with you. So without further ado, uh, hey, Tree, welcome to chat, buddy. Happy Memorial Day to you too as well. Uh, Tree's a fellow veteran. Uh, as, as as well. So great community leader, uh, which we're, we're having fun in that discord. So without further ado, um, all credit goes to Jocko Willink. Um, this next video that I'm going to show you, it's Jocko Willink back in 2017, um, narrates this beautiful story. It's a letter. Uh, I don't want to run too much of it for you, but he spends, and this is a good 14 minutes um, of him um, 
memorializing this this message. I was wanting to read it myself. I can't do it. I tried. Uh, <laughs> I tried, and I think you'll 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 figure out why. Um, why I was unable to do it. So without further ado, again, this is Jocko Willink. You can find it on YouTube in the podcast notes and the YouTube notes. You will find the link as well to go find the source. I want to make sure the proper citation is noted. Uh, so again, without further ado, um, Jocko Willink. I've heard it called a death letter, but I don't know if that is the actual name. I don't know if it has an actual name, but I do know what it is. It is something that soldiers sometimes write when they deploy into harm's way. Then they put it with their gear or in a footlocker where it will be found or they give it to a friend to pass on in case they die. A letter to the family they won't see again. To mothers that gave them life, to fathers that raised them, to wives that they left at home to children they miss and in some cases to the children they've never even met it's a goodbye letter with a Title something like, In Case I Don't Come Home. Well, Jesse Givens of Springfield, Missouri, wrote one of those letters. He wrote it to his wife, Melissa, and their son, Dakota nicknamed Toad and to their unborn son nicknamed Bean who would ultimately be named Carson. And here is what he said in that letter in case he didn't come home. My family. I never thought I would be writing a letter like this. I really don't know where to start. I've been getting bad feelings though, and well, if you're reading this, I am forever in debt to you, Dakota, and the Bean. I searched all my life for a dream and I found it in you. I would like to think that I made a positive difference in your lives. I will never be able to make up for the bad. I am so sorry. The happiest moments in my life all deal with my little family. 
I will always have with me the small moments we all shared. The moments when you quit taking life so seriously and smiled. The sounds of a beautiful boy's laughter or the simple nudge of a baby unborn. You will never know how complete you have made me, each and every one of you. You saved me from loneliness and taught me how to think beyond myself. You taught me how to live and to love. You opened my eyes to a world I never dreamed existed. I am proud of you. Stay on the path you choose. Never lose sight of what is important. You and our babies. Dakota, you are more son than I could ever ask for. I can only hope I was half the dad. I used to be your Danny, but no matter what, it makes me proud that you chose me. You taught me how to care until it hurts. You taught me how to smile again. You taught me that life isn't so serious and sometimes you have to play. You have a big, beautiful heart. Through life, you need to keep it open and follow it. Never be afraid to be yourself. I will always be there in our park when you dream so we can still play. I hope someday you will have a son like mine. Make them smile and shine just like you. I love you, Toad, and I hope someday you will understand why I didn't come home. Please be proud of me. Please don't stop loving life. Take in every breath like it's your first. I love you, Toad. I will always be there with you. I'll be in the sun, shadows, dreams, and joys of your life. Baby Bean. I never got to see you, but I know in my heart you are beautiful. I know you will be strong and big-hearted, just like your mom and brother. I will always have with me the feel of the soft nudges on your mom's belly and the joy I felt when we found out you were on your way. I dream of you every night. I always will. Don't ever think that since I wasn't around that I didn't love you. You were conceived of love and I came to this terrible place for love. I love you as I do your mom and brother with all my heart and soul. Please understand 
that I had to be gone so that I could take care of my family. I love you, Bean. I have never been so blessed as the day I met Melissa. You are my angel, soulmate, wife, lover, and best friend. I am sorry. I did not want to have to write this letter. There is so much more I need to say, so much more I need to share, a lifetime's worth. I married you for a million lifetimes. That's how long I will be with you. Please keep our baby safe. Please find it in your heart to forgive me for leaving you alone. Take care of yourself. Believe in yourself. You are a strong, big-hearted woman. Teach our babies to live life to its fullest and tell yourself to do the same. Don't forget to take Toad to Disney World. I'll be there with you. Melissa, I will always want you, need you, and love you in my heart, mind, and soul. Do me a favor. After you tuck Toad and Bean in, give them hugs and kisses from me. Go outside, look at the stars, and count them. Don't forget to smile. Love always. Your husband, Jess. And Jesse didn't come home. On May 1st, 2003, Jesse Givens was killed while conducting combat operations in Habani, Iraq, when his Abrams tank plunged into the Euphrates River after the bank along the river collapsed. three other crew members made it out of the tank. Jesse did not. Another brave warrior gone. Like so many other warriors, he left behind a family, a wife and children, and a mother and father and friends and life. He left behind everything. Every smile, every laugh, every hug from his boys, every kiss from his wife, everything. Gone. 
and on this Memorial Day, let us remember. Let us remember those soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines, those brave warriors who, for us, for our freedom, left everything behind. And after the sun sets on this Memorial Day, and darkness consumes the sky. Go outside and look up and say thank you to those heroes that now grace the heavens. And then look at the stars and count them. And as much as your soul aches with sadness as you mourn your fallen family and friends and brothers in arms, forget that they did not sacrifice their lives for us to live in sadness. No. They sacrificed their lives so we could live in joy and happiness. So, even on this most solemn day, Memorial Day. Don't forget for them to smile. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was Jocko Willink. Uh, don't forget to smile. And again, I will have the appropriate links uh, for the citation if you want to go back and uh, look at the source and, and start following Jocko Willink. Um, yeah. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. There's a uh, human on, on the side of the keyboard, whether on the gaming side or on the development side, and there's a good chance... Um, that one or more is a veteran who either survived and is dealing with uh, the loss of a loved one uh, or they brought the war home with them and they're still fighting it at home. I don't think there's much more to be said. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started with the show. Uh... Thanks for hanging around. Let's keep going. You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium Games, Star Citizen, and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. 
So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go beyond the verse. Launch sequence activated. All right. Hello, friends. We're back. Um, and we already did an introduction. The podcast has been live uh, for about 19 minutes now. So we're just going to go straight into previously on Beyond the Verse. Uh, the last episode, episode nine, was May 18th. That's 11 days ago. I feel like a lot has happened. Uh, Invictus has happened. So there's there's a lot to discuss there. But quickly, uh, we talked about the 319 launch on the last episode, the roadmap roundup that discussed uh, a couple of the, the upcoming releases that we've actually already seen come to fruition. Uh, we'll get into that here in a second. Um, we talked about the Invictus launch week schedule, uh, the official schedule, but at the time of recording this, tomorrow's the final day, so there's not really like a reason <laughs> to get into um, really Invictus launch week and the Defense Con that's currently happening. Uh, other than the lore deep dive at the end of this episode has to do with the Javelin Warhammer which is one that you're able to go and tour. So stand by for a really cool um, tie-in, uh, kind of an introduction to like the vehicle that you're, you're walking around on. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Uh, we did an Inside Star Citizen recap on the Get Furious uh, article or the uh, premiere. This is, of course, the Mirai Fury, which I have my own reactions to after actually getting to fly them. Um, and then we went into Bar Citizen event in Belgium. But for this week, on Beyond the Verse, we're going to go quickly because a lot of it we've already covered. Uh, and again, it was what, like last week, so seven days ago. Um, Tuesday, there's a Lord Portfolio for the Invictus launch week. We don't need to go over it because if you've been a patron and listening to the show, you know exactly what the Invictus launch week is. Dating back, what, two episodes ago with Paul from the Astro Historian. We talked a little bit more about it uh, last episode and went into Project Archangel um, and what that, the synth world and what that looked like for the 29th century. Um, on Thursday, and again, this is hard. Uh, it's like four days ago. So four days ago on Thursday, um, there's the Inside Star Citizen Storm Warning, which covers the RSI links and the tumble, uh, the Tumblr uh, Storm, which I've got a couple of notes that I'm just going to quickly go through. Um, so you don't necessarily have to. And then quickly, uh, Friday, there was a Star Citizen Live All Vehicles Roundtable. Um, and then we'll get into the Lord Deep Dive. But let's go straight into the Inside Star Citizen Storm Warning. And this is on YouTube. It's a 15-minute, 18-second uh, YouTube video. I'd recommend going and watching it. Uh, at, at this time, the RSI links is out. Uh, you can rent it if you're listening to this on Monday or maybe Tuesday. You can rent it and drive it around. Um, it is worth in my opinion, it's absolutely worth getting it if you don't have a Phoenix, uh, a Constellation Phoenix. But we'll talk about that for, for a little bit. And then there's this concept of the Tumblr, um, Tumbril, I keep saying Tumblr, Tumbril uh, Storm. So, so let's go into it. So uh, the RSI links, this is this actually came uh, to fruition or, or began um, its, its work in 2014, which I thought was super interesting. That's nine years ago. Right, so when they were first discussing the constellation Phoenix, they were talking about this uh, upper echelon uh, vehicle that would go on it. So rather than an Ursa rover or some other ground vehicle, they wanted to give the constellation Phoenix its own like premier. I'm gonna call it a Tesla. 
I think that's fair, <laughs> uh, of luxury, right? So you're already in a luxury Phoenix. You need a luxury ground vehicle. And so again, nine years ago, they talked about this RSI Lynx. Uh, the idea was to take the Ursa Rover and just make it beautiful. So there's a lot of similarities. If you're curious what the Lynx is and you haven't seen pictures and you're just listening to this podcast, it's basically the Ursa Rover um, that has been like smoothed out with like LED lights and softer edges. Um, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. So I mean, you got to watch the video. You got to look at pictures to really get the great uh, impression from it. But once the door opens and you walk on to the uh, what is that port side? When you walk on the port side of this ground vehicle, um, I mean, you're just you're you're engrossed in LED lights and uh, there's a a wine bottle inside of a a bucket of ice. Um, there's two TV screens that pop up and move and there's electric chairs that your guests, you know, can sit in. It's funny quickly. Uh, <laughs> there are the community's already calling it the Uber loop, right? So it's this idea of like taking somebody, um, a, a, a HVT or an HVI, HVP, highly valued person, highly valued target, highly valued individual, um, and moving them from point A to point B, but putting them in these seats, they have their own, uh, again, TV, movable chair, they have their own storage. And what's funny is the video talks about like a drug, uh, compartment, which I I can totally see that. Um, but there's like a hidden secret compartment that's over on like your, your kneecap against the wall. But what I think is probably the coolest piece here, uh, is the, uh, is the panoramic, like what's the opposite of panoramic? So panoramic to me is like left to right, but this is like north to south, but the roof down the backside is one beautiful clear window. So the view is just phenomenal. Um, some details, the 13 piece door, you don't really see that as like a gamer, but the back end, it's 13 pieces. It's complex. Uh, it's a great animation to see open. Um, the, the wine bottle is, is interactive. Uh, so I, there's many pictures, many content creators that are going to this wine bottle, picking up and taking videos and pictures of, um, of, of the players or, or their friends or just combat scenes behind. It's actually hilarious. It's like fire and explosions and they're sitting there with like a wine bottle. Uh, so that's really, that's really cool. Um, but the idea again, the last bullet point I have for the RSI links is that again, they wanted to make this Ursa Rover, not only more like fancy, but they wanted to make it more agile and faster. The idea is that, you know, you're, you're toting around these VIPs. Um, you don't necessarily need a, a an up armored vehicle right um or maybe you do but then you have to bring the right tool to the right party right like like you don't bring i don't know in real life in real life you're not going to bring like a honda civic off-road right you're going to take like a truck or you're going to take an off-road vehicle it's kind of the same concept if you know you're going to be in combat transporting a vip take an ursa rover take something that's up armored that can actually probably defend or attack i would not be taking the rsi links so, so that's that. Um, about eight minutes into the video, they start talking about the Tumbral Storm. Now, again, it is still in concept. If you're a concierge member, there's like a paint package that you can also get. I believe it's like seventy dollars, uh, but you can get a storm reserved and this really awesome paint pack that looks great with it. Um, what's interesting about this? So it's it's like the in-between ground assault vehicle from the Cyclone and the Nova. So the Cyclone is this kind of buggy with a 
rocket system <laughs> right it's it's like a two-seater um a two-seater buggy it's got this ballistic cannon on top it's it's whatever it's fun to drive um but it's you're not going to do any damage in my opinion you're not going to do like any hardcore damage with it but then you've got the nova that's a full-out tank it's a full-out like world war ii tank massive caliber barrel um you're going to be taking out ships you know with this thing so this is the in between and what's interesting about the, the tumbral storm is it's energy based it's not ballistic it's energy based and so they had to use the design language to support that so it's not this like rugged military vehicle it actually looks something from like terminator almost it's like futuristic obviously we're here in star citizen but um it's almost uh it's almost like a fancier like a nicer version of the nova and also obviously significantly smaller so I even have written down here, smaller version of the Nova, more like the Cyclone. The idea is to strike fast and move out fast. So you're again, you're not going to sit there and set up shop and and bring down constellations and you know A2s with it. Uh, but you're probably going to be able to defend a, a hard point, right? I think this would be a really good vehicle when you're um, invading Jump Town or you know another, I guess an, another hard point. Um, the reason why it's being delayed again this is the last bullet point that i thought was interesting but the reason why it's being delayed is because of known issues that they currently have with the nova now i have no experience driving the nova i'll be the first to admit that i'm not really a ground vehicle kind kind of person but evidently the nova has issues driving over rough terrain it has um it has issues traversing like up to higher ground so even though it makes sense that a freaking world war ii tank should be able to go up uh you know a rock <laughs> it struggles doing that and so they're trying to figure out or they're trying to solve for that piece first for the nova and that will translate over to the uh the storm and so we're, we're waiting on that it's already at a gray box phase um to quote one of the developers uh, or artists um it's out of gray box phase so we're we're just waiting we're waiting for that little small tidbit to publish maybe this year now that wasn't anywhere in the video but it sounded very close to being done so i can i think we can get excited about that um, last but not least if you if you didn't stay around for the credits there is an absolute hilarious uh, D and D skit, so Dungeons and Dragons. There's a D and D skit at the very end. You need to watch it. Uh, I'll probably end up snipping it and putting it into my socials so everybody can see it. But uh, essentially, um, they're on the like they're on an elevator, and they're rolling a D twenty uh, to see if they're gonna survive. So roll a survival check, and so they rolled a fourteen, and and uh, the DM uh, is like, "Yep, you made it." No, I'm just kidding. You're all dead. <laughs> Which is. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's good to laugh at yourself. It's good to make jokes about the current state of the game uh, at the same time. That's like a, that's not a joke when you're trying to play and uh, you can't get anywhere. I'll give my color commentary later, maybe on this upcoming Thursday show. Not for now. Moving on to the uh, Star Citizen Live. Uh, okay, so here's maybe an unpopular take on the Star Citizen Live Invictus All Vehicles Roundtable. It was an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 10 minutes, 46 seconds. Um, my personal opinion, I didn't learn anything from this hour and 10 minutes. I thought it was an interesting conversation. I thought it was a great conversation. Um, 
you know, they discussed this philosophy behind backlogs, how adding a Montreal vehicle team isn't really going to speed things up. It's all an interesting conversation, uh, but nothing to me, nothing moved the needle. Nothing's nothing's new that hasn't already been discussed. Uh, so this, again, will probably go very quickly and then we'll get into the Lord Deep Dive. But um, a quote that I thought was interesting that they brought up is bring the right tool for the job that I just talked about it in the last uh, excerpt, but like you're not going to bring a knife to a gunfight. So it's this idea that um, people are wanting, uh, they're wanting every ship to be able to do everything. And so they were using real life examples of, you know, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't take a tank to deliver pizza to somebody's house, right? Like you're gonna use probably, I, I use a Honda Civic earlier, but you're gonna use a, a softer vehicle um, in order to do some of these missions. Uh, it's also cheaper. Like you don't, you, you wanna use a snub fighter if, if you need to save on costs and, and you're already at the location and it just makes sense. Or you might jump in your Scorpius if you got to go a little bit further with a heavy fighter uh, to do damage. So it's like know your battle, know your situation, and pick the right ship. Uh, but I thought that was an interesting conversation they had there. Really cool. Um, I personally liked the physical javelin statue that they had at the front end of the table. Like I, I want to buy one, uh, and I will be screwed the day that Star Citizen starts creating physical models of their ships. Uh, I'm, I'm screwed. Totally screwed. Uh, but that was such a, such a cool vehicle that I would love to have here on my desk, backdrop, anywhere. Uh, okay, so along the same lines of like knowing the ship for the role, they talked about uh, loops across manufacturers. So different roles being satisfied or fulfilled regardless of manufacturers. So Origin is a luxury liner, right? It's luxury vehicles, but they still have the 325 Alpha Fighter. They still have the 315P Explorer. Um, they have their, you know, their their ground ships, the G12s, which aren't re uh, released yet. Um, so they have all these different types of vehicles, but it's the idea that a fan of Origin should be able to do all roles within the one manufacturer. It provides variety. Um, it also provides different fight styles and play styles. So again, another take on maybe some of the sentiment you might hear from the community of, ah, this ship is worthless. Eh, it's worthless maybe to you, but for the purpose of what it's trying to fulfill, it, it's actually it's actually spot on uh, for the design language and the intent that the the company's going for. The uh, I think the bone of contention uh, that most people are going to be talking about, and again, this is a couple of days old now, four days, uh, is is this conversation around the backlog. Um, I thought it was interesting. They said bringing on Montreal vehicle team is actually going to slow down the production. And that makes sense. So no matter what job, no matter what career field you're in, again, I work at Amazon. I work for Amazon Business as a program manager. Um, even if we do this in that role, anytime you add somebody new, you've got to commit the resources to train them and onboard them. So if you're going to onboard an entire Montreal vehicle team, you're not going to see anything from them anytime soon. They were onboarded in April. They're probably going to have to go through training and design language training and lore Bible and everything else that most games have before they even get started. So I think there's a little bit of, I'm going to say patience, bear with me. I know it's not the conversation anybody wants to hear or have, um, but <laughs> uh, 
patience. I mean, at the end of the day, patience, because their goal is to get two capital ships out a year. Now, they're nowhere near that, but that's their goal. So getting into next year and the year after, the work that they're putting in now, the foundations that they're putting in now should be able to start turning out more production, just not anytime soon. So Q3, maybe Q4, uh, Q4, maybe Q3. You might see a little bit of activity coming out for some of these teams. I'm just gonna read through the other topics and then we'll get into the lore deep dive. They talked about physical damage system. Uh, they talked about the tractor beams, the retaliator gold standard, docking reclaimer, Polaris and production, component swapping, uh, the CI spirit tractor beam, fury and cutter, uh, having the same design language as some other ships. And what does that mean? Uh, development on component tuning sizes and types updates on the BMM Polaris galaxy and Perseus. Uh, I, I was hoping there would be more on that topic. The the BMM, the Polaris Galaxy and Perseus, there's not a lot of, of new news. They're still working on it. They're still going through some design language choices. Uh, the BMM, I, the, that's the Bonnie Merchantman, I, I'm a little upset about because it's been in conversation for like eight years at this point, maybe longer. I think that needs to be produced pretty quick. You don't have to wait for loops. Get it out so people can experience it and live on it for a little bit. Like that might be... Uh, a little a little nice um, so there we go and quickly I just want to call out tree tree says Montreal vehicle content started in April yes as in they already were working and having already been onboarded got it got it now, that's a good point that's a good point so if that was if that was said by all means like that makes perfect sense um, moving forward as we add more PMs and artists and engineers to this game I think that's just a really good conversation a level set expectations but that's good to hear if the Montreal team is already working because we need vehicle progress I'm not the only person saying that um, quickly uh, I, I do want to address like I would not be doing my due diligence if I didn't address what's currently going on in the game um, I'll, you're going to see a lot of the house is on fire conversations on Twitter and for some, you know, aspects of the game, it is, it's, it's not doing too hot. So let me explain a little bit about that. So 318 drops, 318 drops and immediately goes into Xeno threat. So there's already this high velocity event that's pushing 318. It's getting people back into the game. Uh, but we all know that 318 was what it is. Uh, it's not the most beautiful um, launch ever <laughs> of a patch. Um, so you had this high velocity event and then there was a little bit of a breath between Xeno Threat and then Invictus Launch Week. And we all knew that Invictus Launch Week was going to be uh, a shit show. <laughs> we, we already knew um, that it was going to be rough. And so you have a free fly event. The Invictus Launch Week is already a huge rendering that takes place. Everything changes. Everybody's in one area of the game, which of course is server overload. Um, it's just craziness. And I, I've actually been able to do a lot in game up to like two days ago. Um, so I can't complain too much, but the last two days, uh, no, I can't get out of area 18. I've got org members um, who can't access any ASOP terminals. There's some that work for me, but they don't work for others, namely those doing the free fly. Like that's the worst audience because you're not going to get them uh, on board now. 
Um, but it, it's been it's been bad. And so just quickly a story, an anecdote from today. I have an org member. Uh, he wants to get involved. He's super interested and in, in, in engaged, wants to know more about Star Citizen. He gets in uh, and he's walking around Area 18, can't get any of the ASAP terminals. Hey, not a problem. Not a problem. I'm going to go ahead and get into my Constellation Phoenix. Uh, I'm going to leave Beijing E-Point. I'm going to pick him up makes sense right like people are saying that they're doing this uber service for everybody on area 18 that's what i was going to do for this for this gentleman so i get in the constellation phoenix first off getting into the same server was a 30 minute episode so i get to area 18 i land in the hangar everything's gorgeous um i've got to get out of the vehicle to see which hangar i'm in and i'm like hey buddy we're in hangar seven so come on hangar seven and i'll take you to beijing you and it was some of the worst. Uh, yeah, I, I see. I see why Fox in chat. Yeah, I'm talking about you, buddy. Um, it's one of the worst experiences that that I've had in the game. And, and me and him laughed about it because I think we're mature enough to know the state of the game. But <laughs> so he first off struggles to get in the elevator, and I'm sitting around the hangar like twiddling my thumbs. Come on, buddy, you got this. Just just click your mouse and you'll you'll get to me i promise so he gets in the elevator finally he gets in um into the hangar and we walk towards and i think i'm saying constellation phoenix i, I it's actually the scorpius now that i think about it and so we go to the scorpius and it's important why i, I had that had that distinction we go to the scorpius uh we start trying to get inside of the scorpius and then me and him both glitch into the front of defense con why i hadn't even left the hangar i hadn't even like uh, it wasn't like a place i had once been so like if i glitched backwards in time i never set foot into vince con so but somehow me and him both were attached to each other and we we glitched into defense con and we kept on going back well eventually we got to the scorpius i was able to open up the cockpit but i wasn't able to get into the pilot seat you could get into the co-pilot seat or the gunner seat, but we couldn't get into the gunner seat. So me and him, what, like an hour long adventure of trying to get his happy ass from from uh, Area 18 to Beijing and it just fell, uh, it fell flat. And that's a bad, that's a bad experience. And it's, it's tough for a content creator. It's tough for a backer or a backing community. Um, that has been around for more than a year, and that be the experience. How do you sell this game when that is the experience? Okay, fast forward. Today they also announced uh, that Jump Town 2.1 is live as of today. So 318 drops, Xeno Threat, 319 drops, Invictus Launch Week Free Fly, straight into Jump Town 2.1. And so there's this, I don't know, <laughs> there's a sentiment in the community that's like, eh, give us a break. Give us just a couple of days or a couple of weeks so we can actually get into our new ships we bought um, and actually enjoy, uh, you know, this, this, this world, right? Or this universe. Um, yes. So I think that's all I'm going to say about that. I will end, I will end it on this. I did have a great Invictus launch week. I did. I had a great Invictus launch week from the Pledge Tour. <laughs> so outside the game, uh, which I highly recommend anybody during these events, spend more time in the Pledge Tour and Concierge Chat than you do actually in-game. You'll be happier. Um, 
than if you try to play the game, which is ridiculous. But I walked away with every capital ship. Uh, and, and I need to be careful with, I guess, how I say that. Um, but yeah, I walked I walked out with the Idris P, the conversion kit to make it the Idris K. I walked out with the Javelin, which... Yes, I walked out with the Javelin. And then I walked out with the Kraken, uh, which in and of itself is its own story. So I got that from my org. It's, again, sole provision. I, I, my org deserves it. I want to give them the opportunity to have all playing styles in the game. So I'm just going to continue throwing the opportunities towards my org. So if you don't have an org, if you don't have a home, please feel free. Hop in. Um, the invitation and everything will be at the end of this podcast. But the Kraken, I want to end with this note. The Kraken, you need to know that there's the base Kraken and there's the privateer. Um, And then, like, there's a conversion kit, which kind of confuses everything. But the base Kraken is all the weapon systems and, like, 3,700 cargo capacity, right? If you want the privateer, you give up 3,000 of that cargo capacity for storefronts. So it's this mercantile or a merchant loop. It's the Banu merchant man, but with, you know, human uh, technology. So there's this debate, you know, do you want the privateer? Is that your play style for significantly less, you know, cargo capacity or do you want the base? Well, there's a conversion kit, which I initially thought it unlocked the ability to go back and forth. Like... You pay, it's like 350 bucks. You pay $350 and you spend time at a Cousin Crow's and you're able to convert it from a base to a privateer, even if it takes like a week to do so. In some UEC, I would be able to justify that. But being able to transfer back and forth, that kind of makes sense and it's kind of realistic. Like if you take your, and we do it, we do it in real life. Like you have this massive warehouse and you make, you know, you take all these, um, bays and these industrial um, loadouts and you can change the entire inside of a warehouse. I mean, we do it for Amazon. I speak from experience. Uh, Why can't you do that in the Kraken? It seems like something you could do if you had the conversion kit, but it is. It is. This is a public service announcement. It is a permanent conversion. So it is confirmed in an article that's dated back in like 20. 17 or something ridiculous but it's also confirmed through a ticket i submitted into cig because i wanted it straight from the horse's mouth Uh, and they did confirm it is a permanent permanent conversion all right so you're warned (laughs) don't spend the 350 dollars uh go ahead and just get the privateer uh and save some money save some time and with that with 14 minutes to spare let's get into today's Lore Deep Dive. On 7 July 2884, a Vandal clan led by a kingship launched a surprise attack on the moderately populated planet Creon, or Caliban II or Caliban 2. The 88th UEE Navy Logistics Support Squadron were the only military forces in the planet's population to escape. Oh, I'm so sorry. Were the only military forces in the system at the time of the attack. They managed to hold off the Vanduul for two days, allowing much of the planet's population to escape at the cost of nearly the entire squadron. 
Naval reinforcements arrived on the third day to engage the full Vanduul fleet, but they were unable to hold out against the onslaught. On 23 July 2884, after heavy casualties, Crayon and the rest of the Caliban system were lost to the Vanduul. In honor of their sacrifice, the 88th Squadron was retired, earning them the nickname the Lost Squad. This battle marked the last time a kingship was spotted by the UEE forces until the Battle of Vega II in 2945. 2945. That, that year is very important. <laughs> it's in between Squadron 42 and the events of Star Citizen. Squadron 88, the Lost Squad. The 88th Logistics Squadron, Logistics Support Squadron, is an inactive United Empire of Earth Navy unit. Founded in 2608, the squadron served as a logistics and operations support squadron to various units, bases, and capital ships until its final posting to the Caliban system in 2792. The 88th became publicly revered due to their defense of the Caliban system against a massed Vanduul invasion for two days without reinforcements, allowing millions of civilians to escape. The Fall of Caliban 2884. A single unnamed pilot survived the prolonged assault. All others were killed in action. In honor of their sacrifice, the UEE Navy officially retired the 88th in 2885. Their motto was stand and deliver. You can kind of see the reason why I chose this. One, the Javelin Warhammer was part of the fall of Caliban, uh, but it's also very appropriate for Memorial Day. It's a military unit that stood the final ground uh, and sacrificed for the greater good. Back to the article. Prelude to Battle Small Vanduul raiding parties first began attacking Caliban in 2739, during the latter years of the Messer era, 2546 to 2792. While the initial raid sparked fear in the system's inhabitants, causing a brief population drain, the skirmishes were largely casualty-free. As raids continued to occur at a steady rate of between 2 and 5 per year, the UEE installed a small naval presence along with system-wide perimeter sensors. The people of Crayon saw this response as inadequate. Political activism spiked in the populace, but the Messers sent no more aid. During the fall of the Messer regime in 2792, the military presence in Caliban was pulled away from the system to repress mass civilian uprisings elsewhere. A medium-sized Vanduul clan launched a raid on the largely undefeated system, which claimed over 100 lives. The newly formed post-Messer UEE government ordered the 31st Battle Group to Caliban to fend off the invasion. Their efforts were successful in stopping the raid from spiraling into something much deadlier. Subsequent Vandal raids dropped down to previously established levels of roughly 5 per year, finally peaking in 2859 when a single large clan clashed with the 31st battle group in the system's asteroid belt. This was the last Vandal raid until 2884. By 2870, the 88th Logistics Support Squadron was Caliban's only protection. The Attack 
At 0443, Earth Standard Time, 7 July 2884, a Vandal clan led by a kingship slipped past the system-wide sensor beacons. Two pilots of the 88th, on patrol near Caliban 4, spotted the clan. Both of them fired off a distress signal, but their messages were cut off before they could be completed. Not comprehending the scope of the threat they faced, the bulk of 88th mobilized against the invading clan. Four ships were lost to advancing scouts before the kingship was in sight. At the sight of it, commanding officer Sylvia Randall, Sylvie Randall made two snap decisions. First, to send out comm drones requesting reinforcements, knowing that it might take up to two days for reinforcements to arrive. Second, to retreat back to Creon to organize and defend civilian convoys. It was this decision that allowed over three million inhabitants to escape with their lives. By the time the second UEE naval fleet arrived, 49 uh, standard Earth hours later, there was nothing left to do but rescue any remaining people and abandon the system. The 88th Squadron, along with the Caliban system, were lost. It is estimated that over five and a half million people died, though no official numbers have ever been released. Aftermath Analysis and Impact No attempts were immediately made to reclaim Caliban. Though the kingship responsible for the bulk of casualties in battle returned to Vandal's space soon after its victory, UEE forces held off on moving in until casualties could be assessed. The UEE announced in 2891 that there were no active plans to retake Caliban until the Vandal threat could be fully neutralized. In 2945, military strategists began to discuss possible future campaigns into the system to route the Vandal encampments. Historians believe that the decades of Vandal absence <clears throat> excuse me, in Caliban, combined with a thinly spread military, poor system-wide sensor maintenance, and an incomplete understanding of Vandal intentions were what led to the invaders' decisive victory. Though the Tiber, Virgil, and Orion systems had already been abandoned to the Vandal, military strategists did not foresee an attack of that strength on the Caliban. The 88th Squadron was there in full force, but one squadron was not enough to stand against the firepower of a kingship. In honor of their sacrifice, Squadron 88, redubbed the Lost Squadron, was officially retired from the UEE Navy. Vandal harvesters are actively consuming what is left of the Caliban system. Creon, once a thriving, lush world, is now devastated. There are no known human inhabitants in the system. And there's a pretty, pretty cool image that I was able to uh, Photoshop, if I may say so myself. <laughs> uh, if you go onto my socials for the announcement of this show going live, uh, I was able to take up an image of the fall of Caliban, and I superimposed the 88th Squadron logo on it. So it's this kind of memorializing um, moment of of this of this article, of this event that has happened in the late 2800s. Again, the whole reason why I started diving into this was because of the Javelin Warhammer. 
This is the javelin that is traveling from orbital station to orbital station. And you're able to walk on board and go to the majority of the first deck. Um, but there is a post, there's a sign that I took a picture of that I can't find on Galactopedia. I can't find on comms link, but I'm going to read you what is on that sign inside of this javelin. And we'll wrap it up there. The Javelin Warhammer. On July 7, 2884, the Warhammer was part of the naval defensive action against the Vanduul, now commonly known as the Fall of Caliban. While providing cover for the civilian evacuation of the system, the turrets were fired so frequently and for such an extended duration that the after-action review noted that the turret support struts had begun to warp from the heat of the sustained fire. A gunner commented in a letter home, I could hear my sweat sizzle as it dripped off me. As a result, Aegis Dynamics reworked the cooling systems in the future Javelin models. So I just thought it was, it was exciting for me to be able to, to be on this historic ship, historic relevance to the video game, bear with me but to be on this ship and knowing that it has such a a, a storied past um, and people like myself people like paul the astro historian like this is why we play the game i want to know why i'm walking onto a ship what's the purpose what's the so what of me doing something and i absolutely loved figuring out like again this is the turret i'm sitting i'm standing in front of the turret um that protected millions of people in their evacuation uh just a special moment if you're a supporter of the game and you're a supporter of the lore so with that let let's go ahead and wrap this up um i i didn't expect to take the full hour to be honest with you but we did have a great conversation uh around jocko willinks uh please don't forget to smile um we ended with this lore recap of a, a memorial event that happened in the late 2800s, early 2900s. Uh, and with that, I hope this finds everybody well. Again, good seeing you, Tree. Good seeing you, White Fox. Uh, thanks for being active in chat. And without further ado, y'all have a blessed rest of the day. See y'all in four days, Thursday night, when we get into episode 11. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. Join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, by applying at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, comments, or emotional outbursts by emailing us at starcitizenbtv at gmail.com. Watch us live on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central at youtube.com forward slash at starcitizenbtv and follow the conversation over at Twitter and Instagram, both at forward slash starcitizenbtv. Once again, thank you for joining us. We hope this finds you well. Until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse.